Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. So I'm talking today with uh, Wajahat Hussain, founder and CEO of BioRestore, um, also known as Waji. So uh, welcome, Waji, to the Circularity Edge podcast. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for having me here. And super excited to talk to you. Very good. So as I was saying to you earlier, uh, before my computer started glitching, um, I've been working in sustainability and, and things around what we now call the circular economy for for a long time, and so when I saw some of your posts on on LinkedIn, I was uh, very keen to reach out to you and uh, and have this chance to chat. So tell tell us first a little bit about your background. I understand you you come from the engineering side, and that you've been in the fashion uh, fashion sector for for quite a while. Yeah. So my background is from textile engineering. Um, and I've been working in the textile industry for more than 13 years now. Um, and for the last few years, I've been working on BioRestore. Uh, but since the last seven years, at least, I've been fully focused on sustainability and innovations. Um, and so, so basically, there is a difference between, you know, when I when I get to work with other professionals within sustainability. A lot of people come from an environmental engineering background uh, where basically there's a key difference of um, how we approach sustainability. And I come from a product engineering uh, background, which is more into about how we grow textiles or create textiles, how we color them and process them and, you know, bring them to a level when where you actually you know end up buying it buying them so we kind of study and work with everything that's related to technology in between and i've worked uh, and then i then i did a, a master's from sweden uh, within innovation and sustainability so i had like both the engineering and the management part and i i used to work for levi's some time ago and then i set up an innovation department for a um, American sportswear brand called Gant based out of, it was born in the US, but now it's been out, based out of Sto- um, Stockholm, Sweden for quite a while. And alongside, like when I was doing my master's, I was working on this. Uh, basically, I was, I mean, when I studied sustainability and innovation, and I was looking at how everyone is looking into recycling and, you know, talking about taking clothes back and, um, you know, there were messages being put out to the consumers to long their garments for a longer time. But as an engineer, I always thought that it was counterintuitive to ask consumers to use their garments for a longer time. When they fade out, they start looking old and no one actually wants to wear um, old looking clothing. And the whole textile and, uh, and fashion industry has kind of evolved uh, from a fashion and also from a technological perspective to make the garments look really, really nice and clean and you know, and new. You know, that's exactly what um, we've always been after. Uh, and and I thought that until unless you know, there's a way of actively 
uh, restoring your garments back to new, you can't really have sustainability because recycling for me is a step ahead. You know, it's when you really don't need any garment and a lot of garments are being thrown away purely because they look faded. Um, from one of the statistics that I looked at from this uh, research in the UK by RAP UK, they estimated that at least 40% of the garments are thrown because they get pilling or lint on the surface. They look faded and they, I mean, they look worn out. So that's how my journey like started. I wanted to solve a problem which I thought would make the bigger biggest impact. And then the other thing that I wanted to do was give the control to the consumers because a lot of the technology that you have in the fashion industry is backend technology that consumers have no access to. And many times it's they never make it out to the mainstream because they are so dependent on the fashion brand. So we we developed the solution and we now we've created a consumer brand and we're we're doing what we started um, you know imagining back in 2016 yeah so for me i mean when i when i look at it when i work with clients i look at a whole host of different intervention points where you can make a difference and yeah. some of them are the front end and the design and some of them are the back end and, and all points yeah. in between, right? And it depends what it is you're trying to achieve as to where your, exactly. your best leverage point is. So yeah. I, I, I take your point about the, you know, choosing choosing a particular point for a particular reason. Um, yeah. So what's been your experience with, with the, the customers who have actually used it? What sort of so feedback far, the feedback has been really, really good. Uh, we have over 200 customers have tested it and we did a, um, a, a crowdfunding campaign using Kickstarter where we sold around a thousand boxes. Um, and those people uh, still need to try this product, but we distributed 200 samples last year. And then we have a lot of investors and you know other stakeholders that we distribute our samples to. And the feedback has been really, really good. Uh, the the thing is that you know we've developed this technology and in a way, and we've packaged it in a way where we've considered a lot of things when it comes to sustainability. You know, the product is decomposable; it's not harmful for the environment, and it's not a high frequency product either. So a lot of the FMCG is based on planned obsolescence and high frequency, and you know you kind of create products that people would have to come and buy over and over again. And yeah, that's, just that's, because the linear, that's the linear business model that is the part of yeah. the problem. Yeah, exactly. And then basically you design a product in a way where you do not make it good enough. You know, you just make it, you, you make it in a way where people eventually have to come back, you know, and buy it over and over again. And so we, we've made a product where you use it once, and it's good for like seven, eight months and you don't have to use it again for seven, eight months. So it's a low frequency product. You use it only when you need to. So so overall, you know, the value for money, the USPs um, and and I think most of all, you know, there's a there's a human element to this. You know, people have memories with their clothes and it's not exactly it's a, um, a very there you almost everyone that we spoke to had that one garment that made a difference somewhere in their life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most exciting part uh, that this has such a human 
uh, aspect to it because i'll give you one example you know i once met a guy um in in the gym and this is a very funny story because you know in in sweden it's very uncommon that you go and talk to random people but i kind of violate all of these laws <laughs> over here and and i started talking to this guy who was wearing this jack daniels t-shirt uh in the gym and i mean i was curious that i mean the the, the shirt looked old but also like having a jack daniels t-shirt in the gym is no it's not the most obvious thing you know you right. you don't wear that you know you would wear nike and stuff in the gym but not a jack daniels right. um t-shirt and so and I, i started talking to this guy and i found out that this guy now owns a hotel and he got this t-shirt when he was a bartender so he had his journey where he um had part of his life out. journey yeah part of his life experience yeah, yeah. exactly so and he carried this shirt you know all these years and mm. that shirt was a reminder for him to kind of you know tell him where he started and where he was yeah, today yeah based on his roots and the journey he's taken exactly and so for us you know restoring those kind of pieces is really really important because then we are kind of uh they they forget how those shirts those pieces looked like when they first bought them so when these shirts come out fresh out of your laundry you know it's a it's a very awesome experience you you feel joy you feel really really happy because you know you kind of you've forgotten how they looked you know you 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 buy something that looks really 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 nice and then in one year six months it starts looking like crap and then you forget but then the moment you get this thing restored back in your hand you have this amazing moment where you fall in love with that garment again so it's it's very very humane and we've seen that experience over and over again and people have their you know things stored for years and years and years that they don't want to throw away and now we're giving them a way of reconnecting to those garments so walk me through the what the consumer does and what the before and after story is so i'll post a, i'll post a picture in the um, in in with the yeah. note for the podcast so people can see the you know, i know i know yeah. you have some photographs of the before and after that we can show yeah so what happens is that when you buy a new garment it's usually uh, the color is really bright the surface is very smooth the so and all, that's what contributes um to the to these attributes that we know as something being new over time when you use and wear the the garments and you wash them in your laundry machine uh, what happens is that fibers they start pulling out and to the point where you have a layer of fibers that we kind of call as pilling or lint uh, it covers the whole surface of the fabric and that kind of gives it the faded faded look as well and a lot of people when their colors fade they think that the color has gone out of the garment which is not true for majority of the cases the color is still there but it's hidden and you can't see the color properly because it's being getting getting obstructed so what biorestore does is that the process for consumers is really easy you all you do is you put your garments in the washing machine with biorestore uh, powder and you wash your clothes at 40 degrees celsius um for 2 hours and that's it you take the garments out uh and biorestore by th- by that time it's kind of shaved a layer a small layer of those fibers which is very similar to you know exfoliating or shaving in general 
and your garment basically looks new. The surface is smooth and the color pops again. And the overall impression is that the garment looks really, really new. Yeah, and that, that contrast between what it looked like before and after is, is dramatic, right? It, it's very dramatic. And I mean, there is no other solution that's even closer to what BioRestore does in a single shot. You know, it does the job of a lot of different, what a lot of different products can't do together. You know, so let's say if, if you wanted to come closer to what we do, you know, you would have to use a bunch of things and you might spend a whole day doing that. But this is a no-brainer process. You know, you just put products in and you forget. It's like fire and it's going to do its job. Right. One of the one of the biggest topics that I know is being talked about, you know, in the last you know few years, really, yeah. in, the, in the fashion industry and textile industry is this whole question of fast fashion, where we're buying yeah. things at two too fast a rate and we're we're not using yeah. things out we're not getting to the point where they're faded and unworn out um, yeah. we're just re replacing so obviously that's not dealing directly with that issue of you know just yeah. how many how many t-shirts do you happen to have in your in your wardrobe yeah. but at least for the ones that you have that you as you say have some some meaning yeah. and one you would like to keep yeah. where, where for longer yeah. Um, yeah. <clears throat> this is a way to reduce the impact because you're the more you're wearing that T-shirt that you had for a while yeah. or that garment for a while, you're not yeah. feeling the need to go and get another one. Yeah, I mean, usually people have a um, combination of basics and essentials and high-quality products mixed with some fast fashion that is very seasonal. And, I mean, this product is really, really good for products that are timeless and good quality. Uh, but when it comes to, let's say, fast fashion, and by fast fashion, I essentially mean a design uh, that is very temporary and you can't, you know, it goes out of trend. For me, that is primarily what fast fashion is. But even within, let's say, if you've bought something from a fast fashion company, uh, you can prolong the life of that particular garment as well if you feel that it's something that you can wear over time. And so we, we don't really, our product does not discriminate between, you know, if it's, um, if it's been bought from a mass retailer or a, a premium brand. The thing is whether you buy, you can buy the most expensive cotton product, it is still going to pill and fade out. It's just a matter of time. You know, if in some cases it can be as early as one wash in, and in other cases, it might just take maybe 30, 40 washes. But it's going to happen, so it doesn't matter. Uh, the, what what constraints does this work on? Is it is it primarily on cotton? What what? It primarily works on cotton and cellulosics, but the, the the best results are on cotton and cotton blends. And basically, as long as you have like seventy percent, sixty seventy percent cotton, you kind of get a full restoration effect. Oh, very good. And so the um, for me this is an this is an intriguing uh, element because it, it involves it involves time, right? There's a yeah. time factor here that you're making something last longer, and I think this yeah. for me is one of the one of the more hidden uh, elements of what um, what what's trying to be done with the circular economy, because it's yeah. trying to reduce that throughput question and how much strain we're putting on the environment by using and using and using you know more and more things more frequently 
And um, yeah, I, I talk about um, you know what I call conventional sustainability as being yeah. flat or 2D because everybody yeah. just, you know, they'll, you, you know, you'll have seen it, I'm sure, even when you started with your masters, you know, you get the, the three E's and you get the, you either get a triangle or you get you get three overlapping circles in the yeah. Venn diagram with people, planet, profit, and, you know, the very yeah. conventional way of looking at sustainability, which is okay as a concept to get your mind moving in the right direction, but it doesn't tell you very much at all about the deep, the depth of things you have to do to do what you're doing, right? To actually make a change that is meaningful. And, um, and so I talk about, um, you know, 4D and even more than that, 8 or 10D sustainability, mm -hmm. because there are so many dimensions to it, but people aren't used to thinking this way. And so this is one of the things I liked about what you're doing is that you're, you're adding in the dimension of time, which isn't yeah. usually talked about very much. Um, I suppose it's it's a it's a variation on repair, right? You're essentially you're repairing your garment. Yeah, I think it's a it's a dimension on time and also on consumption because I think one of the things that we I think the hardest discussion to have in um in the global economy today is consumption because it's um the whole GDP system and you know it's all based on productivity, it's based on volume and it's based on yeah. how much you can churn out. And in that system, we kind of measure things in a way. Um, and I, I, I think that that whole system has this impact. So when we talk about fast fashion, I just think that fast fashion is, is, is kind of the answer of the fashion industry of what's happening in industries as well. You know, you kind of, everything has gone, everything has been in the same dimension, you know, build more products, sell more, get more, you know, extract more resources. So I, th I think this whole system that we have, because we measure at, at the topest, topmost level, that's how we measure things. You, we measure things based on the output, you know, on productivity, on output. And what the, the thing that we all- Particular financial measures for companies. Yeah, exactly. So, and, you know, I think though the, the resolution that we've had when, it, when talking about um, financial impact, um, is quite has been very narrow. So, for example, a lot of the things that have never been included is, for example, domestic work. You know, it's never been, it's not part of the of of typical finance calculation. You know, the the social aspect, the behavioral aspect. There's a lot of things that are not part of when you you know um, measure the government finance. Government economics isn't totally economics. Yeah. Yeah, there's exactly. the behavioral so, economics as well, for sure. Exactly. So the behavioral economics, the environmental, the role that environment plays, all of that is, is excluded in it. And I, I think that is kind of, I mean, we've, as a civilization, we've moved forward, but we've also kind of moved backward because I remember when, when I used to talk to like some of our elders, you know, um, I kind of think that they had a more holistic living so let's say when you, when you read about older tribes and those, you know, they did not have the technology and all, but they used to look at life, environment, food, them and the whole ecosystem in a holistic way. You know, things were all interlinked and then knowledge has built yeah, up. And there was no waste, right? They utilized everything that was around them completely. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We, and we, I, the word waste in a way didn't exist as, as a concept. You know. 
exactly and so one of the questions that you know at least i ask quite a lot is scale you know uh, i think we have to talk about scale we have to talk about consumption because essentially a lot of i think the sustainability question stems from the capacity of earth to process um, all the pollution and all of this load that we have due to either you know mining or agriculture or you know extracting resources that's where that's the starting point in my opinion of how when you start talking about sustainability if and and i think when you talk about sustainability without talking about scale it's that conversation is not going to go anywhere well that's why I, that's why i talk about this idea of flat or two dimensional sustainability it's yeah. only the concept that most people talk about most people don't yeah. get into the actual practice of what you have to do in the real world yeah. with a real something um yeah. i mean I, i also have a particularly pedantic english um perspective on the use of language um yeah. which isn't isn't just to be pedantic because i think there's a there's another part to it and i i hate the word consumption in the in the sustainability vernacular because i'm not consuming mm. most things i mean I, i consume food i consume beverage you know yeah. i'm not really consuming my t-shirt i'm using my t-shirt yeah. and so I, yeah. and i think sometimes when we we can also use language as a way yeah. of changing behavior yeah by, yeah. by yeah. changing people's mentality then well i know i'm not i'm not consuming it i'm i'm using it yeah. and now thanks yeah. to your biorestore i'm able to use it for longer it's not that you're consuming yeah. it for longer right you know what i mean you're you're extending the use period yeah Yeah no I, i i agree with you i think using the right terminology um, makes a lot of difference and i think this is the and, area where a lot of a lot of companies are still greenwashing you know i saw a tv commercial this morning when i was watching the news while having breakfast and i, I won't name the brand i'm not going to be in the naming and shaming game but um you know this was this was a, a brand of jogger uh, pants mm. which were saying sustainably made and there's no way on earth it was sustainably made all they did was to use some recycled content i don't they yeah, didn't yeah. even put how many percentage recycled i mean if it was yeah. 100 great if it was less you know it's still something yeah. but it doesn't mean to yeah. say it's sustainably made right you know it's yeah. you you you've you've touched on one element of one thing out of hundreds yeah. of things that you would really want to con- consider if you were if you're talking yeah. yeah completely about sustainability Yeah. So I think I think there's a yeah. real danger yeah. to so it think, in 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 you know people with good motivation you know to try and do the right thing but then yeah. overhyping the degree to which they've made a contribution. If you've made a contribution yeah. let's state it and let's be honest about it and celebrate it rightly so. Yeah. But don't yeah. you know, don't don't take it to the absurd really. Yeah. You know I I think it's um I think there are i would say that sustainability um as a subject should be part of all education in general because what usually happens is for example uh when we try to find someone who works in marketing and or works with copywriting and you often work with people who have no understanding or appreciation of sustainability and and then they don't really know how to you know they they're scared basically they're scared of if they tell the truth or where 
would the truth you know start actually harming they don't know any better they've never they've never really had that education yeah. you've had to get to a master's level of understanding of, of the elements all of these many many elements that are yeah. interweaved and overlapped and and in, you know interconnected they're not yeah. they're not siloed things if you deal with independently yeah. they're all they're all of one right they're all part of nature and yeah. they don't have the language they only know the language they know and i i had this many many times when i i, I come from a fast-moving consumer goods company background yeah and I had this many times when you go to an ad agency or a PR agency and you'd start talking to them about what you've done and they just revert to their conventional and ad yeah. speak um, because yeah. that's all they know. And they don't have yeah. enough knowledge. They don't have enough depth. They don't have enough words and descriptors yeah. to really yeah. capture the, the full essence of what it is you've achieved. Yeah. They just, they no, just I, I, revert to the norm. I think... I agree with you because we, when we did our crowdfunding campaign, we hired a PR agency. And the first thing that that agency said to us was that, you know what, I know that you have a sustainability angle in the product, but you know what, no one buys into that. And we were like, okay, but um, they are they are not used to marketing it. So they... They, like you said, they want, they're happy with what has always worked and they don't want to go beyond um, to discover how to make things work. You know, it's one thing to use what you know has always worked and it's another way thing to find out ways of um, making new things work. And this is essentially what well, they're, they're not do. doing what you've done, which is to be inventive, right? They've, they've not tried yeah. to reinvent no. their own business to, to adapt to changing circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and I think for us as a company and as a as as a group of believers, we kind of when we start working with new people, we try to work with people who believe in sustainability and who are willing to go that extra mile to make sure that we spread the awareness the right way. We you know use the right language and we use uh, sustainability to educate people. So I, I think for us, kind of need we've learned that lesson that I think we need we need to work with people who believe in who are on this journey. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've I've spent the last more than twenty years, you know, yeah. in the in that awareness building mode, talking about this, doing public speaking, yeah. podcast, yeah. whatever, writing, um, yeah. and and there's there's still a huge need for that awareness building because you can't get the behavior change until you've had the awareness change for yeah. us um so there'll, yeah. there'll always be a need for that but i think now is the time the reason i'm so interested in what you're doing is because yeah. i think the time is right now there's a big enough mass of people who have had the yeah. awareness change and that yeah. you know, yeah. that light bulb gone off and the, the the sustainability concept is now in their brain and once, yeah. once you get the idea of these these things that whether it be the concept of sustainability or the concept of circular economy you can't yeah. unlearn it Right, you know, no. once, once you've you once you've realized that the linear economy has this underlying problem to yeah. it, and th yeah. there has yeah. to be another way, then you can't go back and just accept the old yeah. norm. And so I think yeah. then you then you get to the point where you can have a behavior change, and um, and so the implementation part is becoming increasingly important for me, which is why I wanted wanted to talk to you. Um, and that, so I think, what what what's your what what are your goals now for where you are with with your company and uh, how, how do you see how do you see you know 
moving from your your early trial phase here of getting getting you know the the concept um, and the practice validated and um, and growing, yeah. growing from here in a in a sustainable way hopefully. Yeah, so for us right now, what we're doing is we are building a direct-to-consumer channel uh, so that our, our philosophy is that we want to make the product available uh, to as many people as we can. So we want to increase the exposure. Um, and uh, what we've done now is that, you know, in, in the box that we've made, we've included a small booklet that also gives you a picture of... Um, you know, how the environmental impact and sustainability looks like. We don't make any claims as such because I, at the end of the day, it's, it's the user um, and we who needs to decide how they use it and we don't have any control on their use. But we try to give them the estimate of this opportunity that if you, you know, go down this route, this is what's going to happen and this is the potential that you can do. And... Uh, we just want to make um, BioRestore a global brand, and we want to be known for uh, we know, we, we want to be known as a slow brand, slow-moving brand, and so we don't want to call ourselves FMCG either, you know. Um, and we want people to associate us with restoration and repair and prolonging life. So that's where we want to uh, use existing knowledges within marketing and all and, you know everything that has been used to sell fast and non-sustainable goods we, we want to use all of that knowledge to um, create awareness and exposure and what what do you see do you see other opportunities to for you know obviously you've got your new product to to launch and get going and to grow out do you see other opportunities in the textile arena to do you know, other other intervention points with other innovations. I think there are a lot of there's a lot of room within the fashion industry uh, to do stuff. Um, so we initially set up an innovation company before COVID because we wanted to accelerate the adoption of uh, technology within the fashion industries. Because the, the problem is that most fashion companies do not have, you know, when when the when the manufacturing moved to Asia from US and the EU, the knowledge of production also moved there. So it's, I mean, this whole knowledge and technology was developed in the US and the EU, you know, the machines are still being developed here. Uh, you know, the dyes and chemical technology, everything is being it's developed in the, uh, in the Western world. But it's the, the know-how know now is very limited and most of the knowledge has gone to, to Asia. So what happens is that most of these fashion companies, they don't actually have enough people in the company who understand technology and have the ability to implement these new innovations. And because of that, the adoption is pretty slow. And so we initially built an innovation company and before COVID, we wanted to, that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to enable fashion brands to be able to use these technologies faster. But after COVID hit, you know, everything slowed down and we decided to focus on a single thing. So I, I, I think there's a big opportunity within the fashion industry in general. Uh, but I, I would say that we want to focus on one thing at a time 
because we want to make sure that we make one thing successful and then take it from there yeah you prove, because you you prove yeah. yourself with the with your with yeah. your your innovation and now you've got the permission to go on to other things yeah exactly so we how, we how, wanna... how are you how are you finding the industry responding to what you're doing because in a way you're <laughs> you know you are reducing their their churn right yeah i i think it's um the the response from the industry is right now pretty good i would say because at least in sweden a lot of this is about um there, there's a lot of movement about around sustainability uh in sweden and in the nordics in general and it's also pretty strong in the uk i think it's in the us it in my my perception is that it is still limited to a few states uh and maybe not as widespread uh as it is in in these parts and so so the general response of fashion has been positive i just think that but the implementation for them is a bit tricky because many of them they don't want to put the product purely because they are confused around okay does this mean that we are admitting that our products wear out you know so they so they yeah, they're yeah. trying to figure out yeah they the have market. an intrinsic conflict it's hard to yeah the community yeah, yeah. I I think eventually they will all come down to this route it's more when uh, some some fashion brands would take this up right away because if you look at it in another way I I look at it in a way where if you have a a shirt from a brand X for example and you wear it for 3 years you know when it wears out after 3 years then you your customer can actually if they in if they buy a new shirt it's not necessary that it they they would buy it from brand x so yeah, i kind of see goes, this yeah. yeah they could go to some other brand you know but if they had the opportunity to restore your garment uh, it that means that they're going to wear your garment for a longer time so i think the brands would would, uh, would need to change their thinking from a uh, more brand recognition perspective yeah brand recognition and experience point of view that okay you know it's it's their brand that's being worn for a longer time and that would lead to loyalty you know yeah. because fashion consumers are also very disloyal you know <laughs> because yeah. all of those um, so yeah, i i think the latest is, trend is is what they go to wherever it comes from yeah exactly latest trend and cheapest and you know uh, that that's how they they work so if if you had if by having this product in your assortment it means that you can engage the the consumer for a longer time with your product and at the end of the day the brands get a lot more value out of it because their brand is being worn so it's a, it's a way of how you think um so and but a lot of fashion brands they their thinking process is limited to point of sale and eventually they would have to think about the um the experience and that is where we come in so i i think it's a matter of time they would they, they would have to do something like this and once this is out into the market it's not possible to not have that conversation so if people want to to find out more about what you're doing and uh, and, and follow your project yeah. where, where should they go they can check us out on linkedin and our website is um is going to be active it's right now the website is more placeholder but in 4 weeks uh, all of our social media channels would be fully active 
uh, they can follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, our website, you know, stay in touch with us. Yeah, send me send me the list of your of those um, you know those social media links, and I'll I'll include them with with some images that you can send me, and um, people yeah. can see the the bio restore in action and the um, how you sounds how good to to be wearable longer and keep that connectivity to your to your memories in your in your clothing. Sounds sounds great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate. Uh, you telling us about your innovation. Um, I, I love innovation stories, and this sounds like a, a very good one to me. So thanks very much. Thank you, Ken, for having us here. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye Circular.